0: Divine intervention will always seek human desire for help. Well, we're going to be in John chapter 5. This is part 2 of chapter 5. And I entitled this message, Paying the Price. Have you ever noticed in life that no matter what we want to do, there's always a price to pay? You know, from taxes to entertainment, from vacations to simply eating. Everything has a price tag. Some things can be had for cheap, of course, while other things will cost a small fortune it all depends on how much we want to spend and here in america there are endless things to buy like for you women you want to look cute which is good that's all good that you have options now you can either go cheap and go to walmart which no one wants to do that or you can go big and go to nordstrom's or or bloomingdales but as you know That'll cost you a little bit more. And the same goes for us guys. We like power, you know, but power costs money from iPad, you know, iMac uh, I Pros to uh, trucks. You know, like we go out and buy a new F 150 Ford. Now, if you get the 3.5 EcoBoost, it has like 470 foot pounds of torque. That's a lot of torque for a pickup truck. But if you throw another 10 grand on that, you could go from the F-150 to the F-250. Then you can get the power stroke diesel. And that has 935 foot pounds of torque. And you're thinking like, you know, you women might be thinking, well, what do you need all that torque for? It are just men. It's like that's in the end of story. We just want the power. Yes, whether we want to look cool or have the power, either way, it's going to cost us. Just like you, ladies, you could spend seventy-five dollars on a pair of shoes. Or you could spend 10 times that on a pair from Jimmy Choo. See, so it just all goes back to how much are we willing to spend for there's a big price to pay to look cool these days. It's like women with a light tint of green in their hair. And you're thinking, I wonder why she would do that well she didn't want to do that the truth is she wanted to bleach her hair blonde but she didn't want to pay 200 bucks okay at the salon so she did it herself at her home. And you could say, well, she didn't want to pay the price, but she actually did pay the price. Thus the green hair. Okay. Yes. There are many things that can radically improve our appearance. Yet the only thing that really separates us from them is how much we're willing to pay. But money isn't the only thing that can cost us. What about the cost of being humbled in front of other people? But today, as we continue in our study through the book of John, we will see that there's a price to pay for sin. It's been said concerning sin that sin will take us farther than we want to go. It'll keep us longer than we want to stay, and it will cost us more than what we wanted to spend. Now, as you remember from our last study in John chapter 5, Jesus healed a man who had sat next to a pool named Bethesda there in Jerusalem. It was by the sheep gate. Now, this man thought that when the water moved, because he had this thought that when an angel would come down from heaven and stir this water while the water was rippling, if you're the first one in, then you will have a miraculous healing in your body. But, of course, because he was lame and he couldn't move fast enough, someone would always get into the water before him, thus leaving him sick and laying there for some 38 years. Could you imagine that? I mean, that's a long time. That's like four decades. And this man's hope was running out. That's when Jesus asked him this question. Do you wish to get well? And really, like, what kind of a question is that to ask? Especially if that person's been sick and lame for so long. Yet there's many today who are lost. They're caught up in sin and they refuse to get well. They refuse to change their present lifestyle. So if you were to ask them, Do you wish to get well? You're thinking like they would immediately say yes, but not necessarily because people live in lifestyles that are killing them i mean consider the people that have caught the eye of many those who have grown to the status of celebrity yet they start down a wrong path in the midst of their celebrity a path which costs them irreparable damage we see it a lot around us in the people that are in entertainment around us people like charlie sheen Lindsay lohan Then there's people like Bill Cosby from decades ago, and Lance Armstrong in sports, and the list goes on and on. Every one of those lives of who I just mentioned, they all crashed and burned in one way or another over what? A sin issue. A lifestyle they were not willing to let go of. I wonder if at one point every single one of them who I just mentioned wished to be well. Like, I wish to get out of this mess. I wish to stop living this lie. I wish to not have this burden of this sin that, and this lust that's in my flesh and all of these things. But obviously, not one of them wanted to be well enough to cause them to turn from the very lifestyle that was destroying them and their career and the way that they were living. And they finally got caught. You know, Jesus summed up that kind of a person in John chapter three, verse 19, where Jesus said this, men love the darkness rather than the light. For everyone who does evil hates the light, least his deeds should be exposed. So really what the problem is, is they love darkness more than they love the light. They love going the wrong way more than they love going the right way. God establishes what is right and wrong and they decided, I like the wrong better than the right. But why do people not want their deeds to be exposed? Well, that's a pretty obvious thing for two main reasons. Number one, they usually don't want their things to be exposed because they're embarrassing. And number two, they don't really want to change They don't really wish to be well. Yes, we can know it's wrong. We can see the damage that it's causing in our own lives. We can cry because of the consequences that we're facing because of that thing. But it's not until we humble ourselves before God. It's not until we repent of that sin with this true sincerity of heart that we will see any change happen in the course of our life. And if we don't repent, then destruction will continue to eat away at us. Let us never forget divine intervention, because many times we want God to help us, but divine intervention will always seek human desire for help. So, divine intervention wants to see us desire to change. Meaning, before God moves in the depths of our own souls for the problems that plague us, he seeks for a willingness on our side, on our heart, to be delivered. God says, Do you really wish to be well? We're caught up in this problem. We're caught up in that problem. We're caught up in these areas of our lives. And God's asking each and every one of us, Do you wish to be well do you wish to be delivered consider israel when they fell into captivity with the assyrians they cried out finally after they had completely lost everything they said in psalm chapter 80 verse 3 they said oh god restore us and cause your face to shine upon us and we will be saved Yes, it's when the people finally came to that place of repentance. And let's understand what repent means. The very word itself means to stop, change directions, and go again. So in a biblical sense of the word repentance, it means that we're walking, in this particular case, in sin. We're walking in a lifestyle that is wrong. And God is saying, stop, change directions, and go my way. So God is always looking for a heart that is willing to do that before he moves within that heart. And when the people of God, after they were captured by the Assyrians, when they were willing to turn from their sin, that's when they ask God to forgive them and to restore them, which, of course, God hears that prayer. He will always hear a prayer that is given in genuineness and honesty. But again, it wasn't until their heart changed, meaning their part was repenting of their sin. And once their part came in, then God's part was cleansing them and restoring them. I wonder how many today God is so willing to cleanse and restore, but we have to be willing to repent. So God is saying, I wanna cleanse you. I wanna restore you, but are you willing to be well are you wishing to be well do you want to get well are you willing to repent are you willing to turn from that thing that is sucking the life out of you it says in isaiah 30 verse 15 in repentance and rest you shall be saved in quietness and trust is your strength but god goes on to say to these people that he was talking to in isaiah but you were not willing You were not willing. God wanted to restore you. He wanted to give you strength. He wanted to give you rest. But you were simply not willing to turn from that sin. Let us never forget. Nothing ever is beyond the reach of our prayers except for the things that are outside of God's will. Which brings us back to, do you wish to be well? Then, turn from your sin, God says, and be well do you wish to be well Then turn from that thing that's eating you alive and be well. No longer walk in the guilt and the shame of those things. Turn from those things and be well in your life. But getting back to our text, after Jesus healed this man who has been, you know, messed up for 38 years, this man was confronted by religious Jews. Let's read what happened here where we left off from last time in John chapter 5, picking up in verse 9 it says immediately the man became well this is when jesus says rise up and pick up your bed and he picked up his bed and he began to walk now it was the sabbath on that day so the jews were saying to the man who was cured it is the sabbath and it is not permissible for you to carry your bed but he answered them well he who made me well was the one who said to me, pick up your bed and walk. And they asked him, well, who is the man who said to you, pick up your bed and walk? But the man who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus has slipped away while the crowds were in that place. So, I mean, you gotta imagine the picture here. You know, this guy, he's crippled and you know, he's laying there on his bed and he had been there for 38 years and Jesus kind of comes out of nowhere. You know, he came in through the sheep gate, kind of cruises over and he's talking to this guy. This guy doesn't know who Jesus is from the man on the moon. And then all of a sudden, Jesus asks him this question, hey, do you wish to be well? And the guy's like, what do you mean do I wish to be well? No, I like sitting here crippled and not being able to move. Of course I wanna be well. But again, that's what, we looked at last time because not everybody wants to be well like what we just mentioned again here in our study today not everyone wants to turn from their sin but then jesus said to him rise up pick up your bed and walk and this guy's like what okay and he stands up so i don't know how long this guy had been where he couldn't even walk anymore but could you imagine what was going through this man oh my goodness, I can I can walk again. I mean, look, oh my goodness. I mean, he's jumping around and probably all over the place like a little tornado, like, wow, look at me. And so everyone's like amazed because everyone knew this man. He had been there for 38 years and now he's jumping up and down. Well, Jesus kind of slips off. He didn't even know, again, who Jesus was. But now this man who's jumping up and down with his little mat, his little bed under his arm, his sleeping bag, whatever it was, He's asked a question, who told you to carry your bed? Well, this was a major problem with these Jewish religious leaders of the day. All they saw was a man carrying his bed on the Sabbath. This is incredible to me. Like, are you serious? These men can't see the forest because there's all these trees in the way. Hey, where's the forest? Well, it's right there. No, all I see is trees. Uh, Excuse me. Hello. That's what the forest is. It's all a bunch of trees. What's wrong with you guys? Wake up. This man who's been diseased and lame for 38 years, this man who lost his ability to walk, is now jumping up and down in front of you. Can't you see that an obvious miracle has just happened before your very eyes? Is this all that you can say to this man who's been healed after almost four decades? Is, hey, what are you doing carrying your bed on the Sabbath? Really? And just why, again, was he carrying his bed? Because Jesus told him to rise up, pick up his bed, and walk. What a great picture this is. The very bed that used to carry this crippled man for so many years was no longer carrying him. But now, through Jesus, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. He is now carrying his bed. I wonder if this speaks to any of us here today. Maybe there are things that have consumed and ruled over you in your life. Maybe it's time we listen to what Jesus said to this man. Take up your bed and walk. Stop playing with the sin that you've been playing with. Stop being subject to the burdens of this life. Don't allow when the enemy backs up the dump truck of misery to dump all of your life. Stop accepting the misery. Stop accepting everything causing you to go into an anxiety attack. Stop allowing those things to happen. Jesus says, rise up. You're a child of the living God. Get your bed and you take it and you leave. But getting back here to these religious Jews, why were they all bent out of shape? Well, they all talked about this whole issue of this guy carrying his mat on the Sabbath day. Well, they were convinced that this man had broke one of the Ten Commandments. And if you're counting, it was the fourth of the Ten Commandments about not honoring the Sabbath day. So let's go back to see exactly what God said about the Sabbath day where Moses recorded this in the Pentateuch, the Torah, the law of God. So he says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, he says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God, and in it you shall not do any work. What was the work that he was talking about? He says, your labor, the work that you do. So the scripture didn't stipulate or define anything more about work than what he just basically said right there. The assumption was, again, that your work is one's employment. We're not to work at our employment seven days a week. We are to have a day of rest. So that's why God went on to say and gave an example of himself of what work actually was, which is what your employment is. If you're a carpenter, you're doing your carpenter thing. If you're, you're driving a truck and you're a delivery man, you're doing that. He says, you need to take a break from that one day a week. And that's why, again, the example that God gave of himself in Exodus 20, verse 11 says, for six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them. And then he rested on this seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. So God gave the example of himself. He says, look, I created the heavens and the earth. I was out there making Pluto and Saturn and all the planets. I was creating a hundred billion galaxies with a hundred billion stars in each one. Then I kind of focused in on the earth and I made all the Beasts of the field. I meet all the birds of the air, and all the fields in the in the sea, and the, all the animals in there. It's amazing to me just the plant life, the majesty that's in so much of the things that we see around us. Uh, in my garden, in the front yard, uh, you know, one of the guys here takes care of my house here, and I was talking to him yesterday. I'm like, look at this plant. There's like this green plant, and it springs up. This, it's, I hate to call it a flower because it's not really a flower. It's like looks like a little miniature Christmas. Tree tree and it's bright red out of this green plant and it's like i'm like that is a work of art like how much time did god spend on making that (laughs) i mean it's like i'm down there with my camera i'm taking a picture of it with my phone you know anyway but it's just so what god has given the example of what work is like i'm out there working creating the universe but on the seventh day i rested so when you're out there working doing what you work in an office or whatever you do you always are commanded to take a break and that's what the sabbath day is but here's the problem the jews came in and they added to the law of god with their own oral stipulations on things that should and should not be done jesus tried on several different occasions to clear up what god actually intended for the sabbath day itself not what man turned it into that's why jesus said in mark chapter 2 verse 27 he says the sabbath was made for man and not man for the sabbath he went on in verse 28 saying consequently the son of man is the lord even of the sabbath day jesus was saying look god made the sabbath for man that man could have a day of rest. Not that man would be burdened with even more rules and regulations. Are you serious? I mean, they have taken the scene to such an extent now that anything you do on the Sabbath is sin. It wasn't meant to be that, but this is what the Jewish religious leaders turned it into. And now they're making a mess for this man here. You know, God made it for a day of rest, yet the religious hypocrisy blinded them to the obvious miracle that had just taken place. They missed the opportunity to fall on their collective faces and worship the living God who was walking in their presence. Jesus healed this man. Can't you see the miracle? I mean, this guy has been lame for 38 years. He's jumping up and down rejoicing in you care because he's carrying his sleeping bag under his arm. Like, what is wrong with you? Jesus, after seeing everything that happened to this man being interrogated by the religious leaders, said to him in verse 14, Behold, you have become well. Let's let's get back on, let's focus not on your sin of carrying your little mat underneath you. Let's get back. And he says, but now sin no more. He's not talking about the quote sin that they're saying of carrying his mat. There's a deeper sin here so that nothing worse happens to you. So what Jesus is doing for this man is he is answering the question, why have I lost the ability to walk and why have I been diseased for these 38 years? Why was this man inflicted with all of this in the first place? It was the result in this particular case of sin in this man's life. And he tells him, now listen, go and sin no more. Jesus connected the dots for this man, and he tells him that there are consequences to sin. Now, what was his sin? Well, the Lord didn't air his dirty laundry for us, and that's good. We don't need to know what the sin was, so we don't know. But what we do know is this. It caused this man 38 years of misery understand there will not always be an answer to the whys that we have in our life and not every disease and every hardship is uh, a result of sin of course not in fact we have another place in scripture uh, that gives us an example that you know it's not everything is connected to some kind of sin because if you look in john chapter 9 and we'll look at it in detail when we get there but jesus healed a blind man He was blind from birth, and he healed him. And the guy's like, wow, you know, I was blind, but now I can see. It's just an awesome scenario, and his testimony is unbelievable. But then the disciples came to Jesus, and they said, Lord, well, who sinned, his mother or his father? Like, why was this guy born blind? And Jesus said, no, no one sinned here, but for the glory of God. This, is, this has happened in this in this person's life. And so there's things that just happen in life. There's DNA that's tainted. There's, you know, as soon as we got out of the Garden of Eden, as soon as we left the place of perfection that God had created for man to live in, that he would come down and dwell with them. As soon as man chose to sin and chose to turn his back on God and embrace sin in their life, and when they were booted out of the Garden of Eden, the place of paradise, then We're subject to anything and everything. We live in a world that's imperfect, that's got all kinds of problems. And so who knows what could cause many things in our lives. But that guy that was blind had nothing to do with any sin at all. There are other times, though, like what we have here in John chapter 5 that our infirmity or the hardship that we might be facing right now is a direct result of our own sin.
1: Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, that's Core Church LA, one word, to 77977.